Hello. <laughs> I never know how to start, you know. I have to find my way in. Hello. <laughs> Seems to be the way in. Um, tonight I'd like to talk a little bit about, um, I think, emotions and in relationship to the body and something about wisdom and care. So we'll see how it's going to go because I can see that I'm already, I had a little bit of a plan, but uh, it seems clear that I'm not going to follow it. <laughs> so we'll see. I mean, I'm saying this just because as I was uh, sitting here in the sit just before and waiting here, uh, partly part of the, uh, the 10 minutes of waiting here uh, in the sit while we were sitting here with um, Anne, I had a big rush of uh, fear of talking, of public uh, talking. But uh, <clears throat> the conditions are really good because we've been practicing now for a few days, you know. And so, and I've been practicing, so my, my concentration and my mindfulness is a little bit more sharp or available maybe than, uh, than it is in my daily life uh, a lot of the time maybe. So, so it turned out to be a very interesting experience. And I thought, oh, that could be a good start to actually describe it because that's what I want to do. That, that's my goal this afternoon. Oh, let's talk about emotions in the body. And now it's, is palpable in, uh, a word that is English? Okay, because I, th- I thought I might be using a French word, giving it an English twist. Anyway, this fear was very palpable. It's still actually active now but uh, less than the big wave before and uh, the 10 minutes of break. But so I was sitting there and, and, uh, and so how do I know that there is fear? For me, it's really this physical indications. Really, that's how I discover that I'm, I'm triggered is because suddenly there is these sensations. In this case, though, it's uh, the first. It didn't start. I don't know how it started. I know how I found out. <laughs> how I, you know, became aware was that there was literally like. It's not literally. It's just a really good image I found. Is that there was a, a real nut or something that I think nut is a really good description for this experience of the tr- throat. You know, there was like a. I was like, what? What's that? You know. And uh, and then there was like, oh my God, what what is happening to this body? You know, there's like it's producing some kind of acid in the. I don't know. I don't know the physicality. Like I know the experience. And I'm talking from the point of view of the experience, or not physiologic. I, I don't know this stuff. I just know that it's it's uh, unpleasant and it's acid-like. It's not. It's probably not very healthy what it's producing. Uh, <laughs> You know, I don't know if it's adrenaline or something, but it, anyway, there's maybe bile or something, but it doesn't feel good at all. You know, it's unpleasant. And so my mind was very interested in that. It's like, wow, nut here, and this, this whole area here is very acid-like. It's very unpleasant. And then here it's, it's uh, I was like, so what, what else? What else? I was like, oh, there's like a, a bar, a bar, like a rod, some kind of iron rod like this here. I was like, oh no, not just one like that, also like one like this. Like, it's really like, so it's an experience of rigidity, you know, like it's stuck, it's paralyzed, you know. And I could feel, 
I could feel also the, I don't know what the body produces when it has fear, but anyway, all the articulations were hurting. And it felt also like metal, like uh, my sense was like, if there was something that would happen, you know, somebody would throw a ball, chances are really low in this, <laughs> these conditions. But the body would not be able to, like it would just go like, you know, if, if some, like it would not like, uh, but you see it does it now, it's responsive, you know. But when I was sitting there, I was like, this is a rigid body, it's, it's really like stat- statue, like, uh, like a st- statue. Like, you know, it's like, mm. so, so I was like, oh, this is what it is to be frozen with fear. Frozen with fear. And then I could feel, I was just being attentive and it was revealing itself. I could feel some pressure, more subtle than all the other things I've said, but it was there. A pressure like this, but it was not just um, physical that I could sense it. It was also removing my mental capacity like I'm, I was, oh, in the MRI right now, I would, be, I would be really interested to see what all the numb spaces in my brain, because I can feel it, like the access, it feels like the access to memory or creativity or intelligence is really reduced. You know, so I'm just sitting there and there's just like, like there's, just, there's probably just the reptilian brain left. <laughs> all the neocortex, I'm talking about stuff I don't know, but... <laughs> But I know the experience, I'm in it. And so, and so I'm sitting there, and, uh, and also, so that's one bit of it. The other half that is really interesting, and this, how do I know I have a strong emotion right now? Because there's something that happens in the chest, you know, some, and here there's some radiance, something, and then whoops, the eyes, it wants to cry. It's gratitude. I feel, and how do I know that I've, I've, I am overwhelmed by gratitude? Because the words don't come out. You know, I'm not, that's how I know. And what is this gratitude? It's, I was going to say, I can feel it on the skin. This is my body awareness. This is my practice. I was going to say, so there's all this fear the gratitude wasn't there. It's there now. <laughs> it wasn't, I mean, it was there. It, it came at some point, but not strong like now. The other half of the experience that I will describe now during the fear and that I still have access to now is, uh, is caused, I'm clear about this, only by practice. So I was going to say I only have gratitude for, uh, to my teachers and their teachers and to the conditions that allowed me to practice this, to have interest for that and to be given the space and time and guidance, you know. So in the middle of that experience of fear, because of prior practice 15 years ago, but in the last two days here, all of us together, so there's this intense uh, sensations related to fear. And it's matched by equal interest and enthusiasm. Look at that. Acid in the chest. Bar in the... Like the mind is not shrinking from it. It's not... This was not like this before. It's like... And, and there's probably more that can be done with this, you know, but 
And that's why gratitude follows. Very awesome. Instead of having the fear being debilitating, it, it, uh, it's met by curiosity. Enthousi- Look at that. Phenomena. Wow, amazing, ph- intense phenomena. Unpleasant phenomena. I want to know that. It wants to be known. This is extremely wholesome quality. And I can feel it because the mind is almost like, um, I don't know, somewhere in there there's joy. There's some joy that is excited about this series of phenomena that are happening, you know. And it's meeting it with uh, interest. And also there's a, a particular thing that I saw is at some point in the biggest part of the wave. I, is that interesting? Some, I hope. Anyway, that's what it is. <laughs> at some point there was the, the fear, mainly here with this acidity and the nut there. And then there was the song of a bird. And the mind very gently went to hear the sound. And, and I noticed that. It's like, wow, hearing is totally accessible. And the mind has some uh, level of equanimity, balance, because it's not caught, like, it, it's almost, it was not words, but it was almost saying, yeah, we know this is very intense, but there's also a bird singing, <laughs> you know? And that is also important to listen to the bird, because, you know, it, Maybe that's resourcing. Maybe that's a way to help balance things out, you know. And so while the bird uh, was singing, there was complete listening to the bird and being enjoying this. And I thought, how amazing, you know, that the mind can, can do this. And I, I'm telling, I'm saying, it might not have been like this uh, four days ago in my life, if some, you know, it, I might have gotten more reactive and more judging of myself, but... I can see, I can get to experience here now the benefits of this practice. This is how I understand this. It's like, wow. And I'm relating to a man that I've heard in a documentary in Alabama in a maximum security prison. prison, prison. And the documentary was called uh, Dharma Brothers. Some of you have seen it. If my memory is right, there's a man there who says, so... Maximum security prison. I don't know how many, let's say 7,000 men stuck together. Uh, a lot of violence, a lot of confusion, a lot of fear, a lot of uh, um, prob- maybe death, weekly murders or things like this. Anyway, this man is saying, before I started doing meditation, every day, I would get overwhelmed by extreme anger, rage, or fear, which would make me do or not do or say or not say things that would, could be helpful for my sur- survival or for the survival of others. You know, to, it was so intense. I, I was caught in it. I didn't even know, maybe. You know, I was just in that trance. With meditation, now... What I find that I can do, and you could see that the man, had, this, this guy had done his work because it was so precise, his explanation. He said, now I can feel at the surface, of, I can feel on my skin the intensity of the emotion of fear and rage. I can feel it. Before it was so unpleasant that I would numb out or lash out. 
And now I can be in the middle of a situation and feel the body of fear or the body of anger. Feel it completely and keep my head cool in a way, you know? Still see who's there, who's saying what, what is the right next thing to do to so everybody stays alive and you know and i remember when i saw that i i had like respect for this practitioner and i was wow this is an amazing thing to be able to do this in such an environment you know and so i can claim that i can do it in a hall of very benevolent people who have <laughs> taken precepts and <laughs> are not going to even throw me a ball you know <laughs> Um, but anyway just the joy that wow the the mind can can meet this and sometimes it actually can't so 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 skillfully or with such agility you know like uh, you know like the challenge is just a little higher or the the practice was a little down for the last few days you know or, or something you know and it just doesn't work like this then i have to rely on something else which is often for me compassion. It's like, oh, it's hard, my love. You're uh, overwhelmed, you know, if I can even recognize it, you know. So, yeah, we're talking about what I had planned to talk about some in an unforeseen way. I'll just continue freely if it's okay with you. Uh, and uh, and emotions come. It's it's just we're. I mean, I'm certainly I'm one of the emotional beings around, you know. So emotions uh, do come. What I want to tell you this story is um, many years ago, uh, almost twenty years ago now. Uh, very soon, 20 years ago, uh, I was 25 years old, and uh, the doctor told me that I was uh, HIV positive at a moment where there was no medication. And uh, basically, I was a healthy, young person doing a lot of sport, being very active. And suddenly there was this, I'm in the doctor's office, and they say, look, on paper, at least it doesn't look good at all. There's no more immune system, you know. You have a maximum of nine years to live. You know, it, it's uh, you have to get on loads of medication, antibiotic right now. You know, uh, and so there was a, a big uh, shock. Following this, I got a job. Actually, I, I was living in Montreal, but I moved to San Francisco, and I got a job in um, in a little wine shop, very small wine shop on a little street. I don't know what's the story with this wine shop, and if it still exists, I would have to check, but that's many years ago. My shift was working from 12 lunch till 8, and usually I would sell one or two bottles of wine around 6. So there was nobody coming in there. It was good because I knew nothing about wine, I just had the right accent. And it was a good thing also because I was in shock. You know, so for six months, I remember being behind the counter, just standing. And I, I've, I can't tell you, I cannot describe to you my physical experience of it. I was dissociated. You know, I was just 
spending hours just standing, not reading, not... There's probably a window somewhere. I don't remember looking out of the window. I, I, I have no memory of it. It's just... How I got out of it, the one way that I remember is that one day I was at home watching Oprah on TV. And uh, Oprah was suggesting to start a little book of gratitude, you know, to take a little book and write things. And I somehow, you know, through the voice of the TV of Oprah or guest or something, there was something like, this could be a good idea. <laughs> You know, you might need this, you know. And I remember, like, just grabbing, okay, grat gratitude, you know. And, like, it was really hard to come with anything. But, you know, I, I remember writing maybe something like sheets, you know, bed, being in, in the bed, the touch of the sheets, you know, and some, something like this, you know. And, and, whoops, started to reconnect a little bit. And at some point I was writing pages and pages, you know, like I... I felt like this this is my way out you know to anyway i just want to switch to a few years after i'm on a retreat at so i kind of worked something out you know some the shock past the depression some something anyway there was movements in there some things happened so i find myself on a retreat and now i've learned the skill i've sat a few retreats and uh, develop, developing the skills and one day at this retreat center, there's a lot of wind that evening, like really strong winds. And they ask us not to go outside because of the strong wind, so I put my coat on. <laughs> <laughs> and I go outside to, uh, to see the, to just witness this thing, you know. And... Uh, I'm just there watching and there's these huge trees at the Inside Meditation Society. Some of you might have gone. There's these huge, some of the huge trees there, like solid forever, you know. And I'm just watching and suddenly one of the trees comes down, you know, like this gigantic thing just comes like down. And the association in my mind is kind of a projection, a projection of my young person learning that they're dying. You know, that the, the, the moment in the doctor office where I found that the solidity of youth is not solid, that the solidity of health is actually not solid at all, that, uh, you know, life is, is, is not solid. There's, there's nothing of what I thought was really solid that is. You know, it's not like that at all. And so somehow the, f the tree that I thought was, again, I had been fooled, you know, I thought this tree's not going anywhere. Well, it was grounded or, you know, flat. And somehow it was kind of a symbol for me. So I, right there I enter again the kind of a shock or like it's just like replaying all over again. The difference is that although I'm not that stable, I'm there like... Somebody's been telling me, try to be there. It's a good thing to be there. Be, what, can you feel something in there? You know? And so, and I spent, um, well, it seemed like a solid few days just sitting there by the tree. Like I had a complete symbolic thing happening, for, you know, like I, I was going to stay by the tree and take care of the tree. 
it was my way in compassion or something, you know, like, so, and I was just there and I could feel the grief, the loss that I hadn't feel, felt. I had been going from numb to bypassing, you know, starting to travel and nothing's going to stop me. And, but now I was re-entering that field, it seemed completely, but with a few skills, you know. So I was sitting there and attending, it felt, hmm, even talking about it. So I spent many days just sitting there, being there for the grief, the loss of youth, the loss of health, the loss of so many dreams, of uh, ideas, expectations, uh, of how it would go, you know. And so just attending to this, and it was very physical. It was very physical. Just one little snippet that I found very interesting and liberating is one morning in that very intense grieving process, I walk by the dining hall, the kitchen, and I see that they're chopping um, bell peppers, uh, you know, red and yellow and green peppers. And, you know, I've been there a few times. I know exactly what it means. So... I pass. Oh, so I'm sitting there with the tree, grieving. My grief has been solid for, day, for a few days. You know, there's been nothing else than grief in my mind. You know. And then the bell rings for the lunch, and then my whole body goes like this: pizza. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm like heavy, grief, hollow, contracted, heavy. You know. Uh, kind of hopeless, you know, like heavy, and I'm, I'm really attending to it, attending to it, but then when it does ding, it's like pizza. And, and I'm just like up and turning, you know, and suddenly I realize, no, I'm grieving. <laughs> but then I saw, wow, the body was not grieving in that moment, you know, the body was just greedy, <laughs> you know, was going for something pleasant, you know, with, with completely, and then, but the grief landed right back, you know, like, ugh, the heaviness the, the, in the stomach, you know, in the, and, and, but I remember, I was like, wow, I got a chance to see that it was also impermanent, it was, although it feels very solid and very serious and very, it also was non-existent for a few seconds. It had disappeared from experience for a few seconds. It had. I could not say it had not, because it had. And then somehow, I could go back to attend, not saying, oh, so that, you know, no, it's actually what's there. But I, sus I got a chance to su see something else in the standing and turning, you know. There was something else that was inhabiting the body there, and it was not the grief. I remember hearing, maybe in this very hall, probably, yeah, uh, Jack Cornfield, and I hope I'm going to be representing what he's, you know, we understand things in our ways, maybe, but I think he was saying that there was a form of happiness and peace that uh, was not with being freedom, maybe, that was not with being on what, with what we wanted, but also not having what we wanted, that there was a peace uh, 
or happiness or something that was possible there and it was in that case you could call it maybe compassion was a form of freedom and a form of happiness and I remember I was very intrigued by that how is that possible you know that there could be not having what one wants but a certain peace of mind a certain and now I I I know more from the inside, maybe not on a, in a stable way, you know, but I know experientially what, what it means, what it is meant by that. For example, in, in, this, in this description of the fear, I've had also in my life uh, anxiety. It's a very, very physical uh, experience and where I would not want to feel it, would want to, it to go away, would start to attend to it in order to make it shrink, make it disappear, you know? And, and with practice over time, now the, what I see is that when there is a difficult state of mind, often, I don't know if often, yeah, I think I want to say often. I, I really want to be honest. Anyway, some of the time, certainly, it's very, very clear that there's no agenda of getting rid of it. There's a, there's a wanting to be there for that because that is life. That is what is happening. It's there, you know? And in the atten- attending to, in the, and I used to put words, I put less words, but I, I use them as I talk. Now is, oh, my love, it's not easy to feel this. There's a confusion here. There's anxiety here. Oh, it's not happening as you want, you know. It's difficult to be this being here now, you know. And so the difficult emotion might still be there of the, or the remains of it or the something of it can be there. But there's also really much felt this um, holding, this caring, it has a felt sense. It's 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 palpable. There's a there's a, a it feels like a space. Sometimes just a little space, not, not much, but sometimes a lot of space. And it's also a, for me a felt sense. It's something that's been developed with hearing about it, but finding my way and my own, my own way and you know. Why do we say, you know, my heart is broken, ripped open, uh, my, my light heart, heavy heart, uh, tight mind? These are, are they, aren't they words of the physical realm? I think they are, no? Lightness is lightness, you know? An element of, you could put it in heat as the you know, Montgolfière, the, the balloon goes up with the heat, you know. And uh, how do you call it when you go in the balloon? Balloon, why not? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's the heat element that makes the lightness or the air element. It's, it's a little arbitrary, you know. You can make it what you want, you know. But um, 
I've read in the text that it says that the elements that Anne was talking about uh, yesterday, what makes our physical experience, the heaviness, the fluidity, the roughness, the softness, the movement, it's caused by different things. And uh, certainly one of the things that causes the elements to play out as they do is the states of mind. In the text, in the Buddhist Abhidhamma, it says, you know, that a state of mind of joy will create create the the elements in such a way, you know. It says, uh, why do, would they say that metta, one of the classic benefits of metta, is um, beautiful complexion? Interesting. Why would they say that? And why when the Buddha, after his enlightenment, walks uh, away from the Bodhi tree to go and share uh, his wisdom, the first person that he meets says, man, you're glowing, what's, what's going on with you? It, again, it's the same loose translation, but, <laughs> but they say, what's, what's with your skin? Are you a human being? Are you an angel? Who are, what are you? What's about, what about, what's this, you know, thing, you know? And, and the Buddha says, well, you know, it's wisdom. It, it, so in that case, it seems like it has an influence. Can, do you relate to this in your experience? I do. To me, it sounds like hopelessness will have an elemental experience to it. You know, there's a heaviness maybe that comes with it. Yeah? And we can recognize that. Oh, look at that. The mind state produces produces a certain body, you know. The body changes like this. When there's joy, you know, oh, concentration sometimes. Wow, I sit here, sitting, walking, sitting, attending, attending, attending. Somebody was asking today or yesterday, can you say a little bit more about alignment and posture? And I was saying, there's something that I've seen that is fascinating to me is that I'm sitting and the more quiet I get, it, there's just little readjustment. It's just like, whoops, it starts to go up by itself, you know. And, and sometimes if, if there's, a, there's a, a lot of calm, it's like, wow, I'm not holding the, bu- the vertebrae, is holding it some, something. Some, something is holding something, you know, but it's doing it by itself. But it's really, really related to the state of mind. It's the quietness, the gatheredness, the, the balance of, of the mind suddenly wants to balance the body. And very, it's almost, uh, I, I don't know, it's very intriguing to me. But you're smiling, you agree? <laughs> Good, if Marcy is, uh, is okay with that. <laughs> you, yeah, you know the uh, energetic body, I've never studied that, but you know, I, I, I can see something of that nature. Maybe uh, I want to say also, I want, I'd like to say, I care a lot about this, I, I'd like to say that there's something very natural about this, that we can read books about it, we can hear about it, and it's good to get the information, but there's something that it's, it's, it, it's in us, it is. Why would the Buddha-to-be 
you know, listen to his teachers uh, showing him ascetic practices of eating very little, you know, uh, um, you know, standing on one leg all day long and all kinds of, like, do not experience any pleasure. It's dangerous. You have to stay away from anything pleasant. It has to be hard. And this is the way you're going to liberate yourself. So he's doing this, following his teachers, you know, and at some point he's almost dying because that's the logical end of this thing. You know, it's like you, you can impose so much suffering and torture on the body that it, it's going to give up, you know. He's almost, and his way to the practice of the middle path is what? Is somebody, a, a woman who comes with great generosity and compassion because she sees the guy is not well. She sees she has more wisdom than he does. You know, she's like, this guy's not well. He needs to eat. He's not aware of that, but I'll offer him this porridge, you know. And so he eats and it, it's, it's pleasant. It feels good. It feels nourishing. He can recognize this. And then, this is all prior to his awakening. Many of you know the story. But then he has... Then he has, because he's connected, he's eating, he's doing something good for himself, he's taking care of himself. Then he has this flash, this memory. Oh, when I was eight or nine, I don't know, the story doesn't tell that, but let's say eight or nine, I remember one time as a young boy, the way I tell the story these days, I say, he was a young boy and he remembers that and he was in the field with the, this time, maybe today, there in India, plowing festival, asking the earth to be generous, and they're doing this ceremony, this ritual, and there's a priest there, and he's talking way too long, maybe like me now, in the non, <laughs> in the unknown language maybe, and the young Siddhartha is just waiting for the sweets, because he knows there's going to be sweets after the ceremony, you know? So he's like, impatient, he's in wanting something, wanting, and it's not happening. At some point, it's too demanding to want something that is not happening. He just gives up. He's like, oh, I'm taking off, you know, and he starts walking away and he just goes to sit under a tree. And as he sits under a tree, this is an eight, nine-year-old. We have been eight, eight, nine years old, you know. So that's just a, a young person sitting there, a child sitting there, and they just start to feel the breeze, the coolness under the tree. Oh, it's a good choice that I came under. just too hot over there. Nothing's happening. They don't distribute sweets, you know. And here it's cool. It's a good place to be. And, oh, it has, and then he sees the birds fly by, you know. He's just touched by, by that, you know. And, and he feels safe. And then he naturally takes a moment to clo just close his eyes. I don't know what he does. And then he starts to feel, and as a kid, like a kid is, is interested by his belly. Sometimes it's interested by ants. Sometimes it's interested by belly. And he just starts to feel his belly rising and falling. And he gets very quiet and calm and gathered. It, it, I mean, he doesn't have the theory about it. He doesn't know anything about it. He's just living it. And it's natural. Well, about to die. Thanks for the porridge. I have a flash in my mind. That was not a bad way to live. You know, to actually just be there simply with life, attending to life. Maybe I should do that. Et voila, you have a path to awakening. <laughs> I made it simple. <laughs> but now, but what I want to highlight is the naturalness of it. It's natural to pay attention. So if, like, 
If we feel like, oh, but I should, they say that I should, you know, like give that up. You know, just go back to something that is natural. It's natural to be in connection with the leaves when they ruffle, you know. And is is way in is the body. Do you notice this? It sits on the rock, it's under the tree, it's cool. It's an experience of coolness. There's the breeze, touch, there's the birds, there's the oh, ease, there's the belly rising and falling. This is the body awareness. This is what he's doing. And this is what he taught after also. And he said, Oh, and he said, when he's laying there with this ball of empty, empty ball of porridge, he's like, "Oh, I don't have to fear this, this ease. It was okay to feel that. It was totally okay to feel that. It's not from, it's not for my danger, like my teachers told me. You know, it's from, it's, it's okay to feel this. It's not cookie. I want cookie. It's not like that. It's just being touched by the world. So this is." what we're trying to talk about with so many words, maybe. So it's felt, it's a felt sense. The joys that he feels, he feels that we feel when we're at ease, when we feel safe, it feels like that. Maybe I'll finish with the it's a little story that I tell sometimes because I, because I like it. <laughs> There's this character in the Buddhist text, Rohitasa, and uh, I like the character. This made me think, make, make me think of Puck in um, the Shakespeare's uh, Midsummer Night Dream. It's kind of mi- mischievous, or I don't know. It's like, an interesting character, lots of energy, and I see them as a transgender, like they, Ruitasa, is just a very alive being, full of life, you know. And they come to uh, they come to the Buddha, and they say. Uh, it's interesting, they're kind of... Uh, anyway, I'll tell the story and I'll say what I think about it after. <laughs> so Roitasa comes to the Buddha and says, um, Hey, I have a question for you. Is it possible by walking to reach the end of the world, by traveling to reach the end of the world where there would be no more suffering? And the Buddha says, No. It's not possible by walking or traveling to... to uh, to reach the end of the world. And Rohitasa says, oh, amazing, great, amazing, because I tried, I tried. And then they kind of tell the Buddha about the way they, they, they see their body, the way they, their kind of body awareness is, uh, is not exactly mindf- mindful body awareness, it's, it's kind of pride-ish, because like, I can walk really fast, like uh, nobody can walk faster than me. I can, f- and I, when I step, I take really huge step, you know, like the kind of step, I mean, if you read the text, it's the kind of step that goes from the Eastern Ocean to the Western Ocean, you know. And I was curious about this, about the 
reaching the end of the world, you know, because maybe recognizing that it's not easy being a human being and thinking like maybe at the end of the world is the rainbow, you know, or <laughs> Some, something, you know. So I tried, you know, and he's like, and, and, and they like, they're like, I walked and walked and I walked for a hundred years, never stopping. Well, actually, wanting to be honest here, they say, I did actually stop, but just for peeing and defecating and eating, that's in the text. <laughs> and eating and maybe resting a little bit, okay, resting also, but basically I was just going and going and I never did reach, reach the end of the world. So I'm very happy that when asking you, you say, no, it's not possible to reach the end of the world by walking, you know, and then reach the end of suffering in this way. And the Buddha said, yeah, you're right, uh, Rohitasa. I, I'm trying to play somebody who's really cool and centered. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so the Buddha says, it's not possible by uh, walking to reach the end of the world, but I will, I say also something else, and that's really, that's the core of the teaching here. The Buddha says, but I also say that without reaching the end of the world, it's not possible to make an end to suffering. And the world the beginning of the world, the end of the world, and the path to the end of the world, and you can replace here the word world by suffering, suffering, the end of suffering, the cause of suffering, and the way to the end of suffering, is in this fathom-long body. This is where it's all, it's, it is. This is where you'll see all of it the suffering, the cause of it, the end of it, and the way out, is in its fathom-long body, means long like this, uh, with its uh, perceptions. This is where it is. This is what he says, you know, in this body. And so he's basically saying to Ruitasa, stop running around, you know, and stop describing how good you are with your body. Sit there and visit it and you will see everything will be revealed to you in this way. This is what we're doing here. Paying attention, discovering, finding any doorway in. Some of us will be the walking at some point, the sitting here a little too long, a little too long, and then whoops, something will be touched, you know? Some of us will be while we're laying down in bed or eating, but don't be fooled, it will be caused by some presence right then and there or some prior moments of presence that will culminate in something that will look like grace, you know, but it will have been caused by a prior moment of uh, presence, yeah. Okay. That's a lot of words. So let's just uh, feel what is feelable here. And it could be uh, could be of uh, of the elements 
could be of the posture, of the breath, but it could also be of the mind states. The felt sense of the calm that is in you, or the felt sense, very much felt sense of agitation, or dissatisfaction with yourself, or with your practice, or with me. <laughs> See if there's a When I feel more spacious and balanced, it feels like, and I become attentive, I feel like I feel more the back of me. Like I feel, it seems like I'm more aware of the space. And if I'm agitated, busy, and it, it kind of all there, you know. But when I relax, I'm open. I don't know. That's how it feels to me. So through the jikong, through the sitting, standing, walking, may we be able to experience balance, centeredness. May we be able to touch joy, hold sorrow, in delight uh, in this life, in this crooked life, maybe. Mm -hmm.